That Sober Guy podcast contains adult content, merciless truth, and emotional nudity. Listener discretion is advised. I'm Shane Ramier. You're listening to That Sober Guy podcast, and we help people stay sober. If it's your first time listening, welcome. I'm so glad that you're here today. You can find more resources, more podcasts. You can also contact us by going to thatsoberguy.com. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at thatsoberguypodcast. We'll be sure to put all the links from today's episode in the show notes so they're easy for you to find. Very excited about today's guest. His name is Flint Anderson. And uh, had the, the pleasure uh, of, of being on uh, Don't Hide the Scars podcast, which is a podcast that... Uh, that he's a part of uh, just uh, just recently, which we had a great time on there. Uh, Flint is the founder of the nonprofit Pain Parents and Addicts in Need, and they're out of Fresno, California. And uh, Pain specializes in rehabilitation services and family support for those affected by substance abuse. Uh, and they're also a certified distributor of Narcan, the opioid overdose reversal agent. Uh, a little background on Flint, and I'll let him uh, speak for himself here, but I just want to kind of set this up to give you a little context today. Uh, Flint started drinking at age 13. Uh, the habit progressed to harder drugs uh, through high school and college. It eventually paved the way to a 23-year battle, battle with opioids. Uh, he was taking 70 to 80 Vicodin pills daily uh, until a, his best friend admitted him into the Betty Ford Treatment Center in 2001, uh, and he's been in recovery ever since. Uh, him and his team are doing some amazing work uh, out of Fresno, like I mentioned, and I'm really honored to have him on the podcast today. So, Flint, uh, welcome to That Sober Guy, man. It's great to have you. Thank you, Shane. Thank you so much, buddy. I really appreciate it. Um just, just to let everybody know real quick, my my screen just kind of went soft. So if you can give me one second, please. Oh yeah, absolutely, man. Take your time. Take your time. Um, we oh, uh, but we can we can still chat though, brother. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. No, it's it's uh, it's good to meet you. It's good to meet Jason as well too. Uh, like I said, I, I had the pleasure of being on your guys' show. Don't hide the scars. Uh, just recently, and uh, what what a great time. Hopefully, we're bringing up. Uh, some some uh, some conversations uh, around addiction, around sobriety, uh, around um, what's going on in Sacramento through legislation and different drug laws and and different uh, different things that are having huge effects on our communities uh, in the state of California. I think it's something like six thousand uh, six thousand people um, in twenty twenty two in a twelve month period died. Uh, as yeah. a result of fentanyl overdoses, which is insane. And I think I read that was 19 times the amount uh, versus 2017 through the same period. So we have a huge issue. Um, obviously, um, you know, there's there's a lot of moving components to those issues and the fact that people just like to escape reality. And unfortunately, uh, a lot of the people who die don't even know they're taking fentanyl at that. So, um, man, lo- lots of good ways we could go with this. Lots of things happening. Uh, Flint, let me just hand it over to you, man. And, and maybe just uh, if you if you want to comment on any of that or if you'd sure. like to just introduce yourself formally and tell us a little bit about your background, man, the floor is yours. Sure. Thanks, Shane. Yeah. First of all, I think it's important to know that uh, that I am a recovering opiate addict. Uh, I had a 23 year addiction to, uh, to to any opioid out there. And, you know, my story goes goes deep. It uh, started with a with a bunch of surgeries I had as a kid. 
I've had 32, I think, altogether in the course of my life. Um, but but it's, it actually started when I was born, one a year to the time I was 13, four more in 1976. And then I've had, you know, countless since then. Um, so there's, you know, Shane, there's not much I don't know about the opioid crisis or opioids in general. Uh, I, I wish it wasn't on my resume, to be honest with you, but, uh, yeah. you know, but, but here it is. And uh, consider myself one of one of one of the luckiest guys alive because yeah. uh, last two years of my using, I was dropping between seventy and eighty, you know, Vicodin every day. Wow. Uh, plus, you know, plus other drugs. I was one of those guys that I just liked more of anything. Yeah. And um, you know, and and of course that just brought me down to levels that that we all know about. That um, you know, we we ask ourselves, how did we get that far? How did how how could we go so deep into despair? Um, you know, and the sad thing is, is that a lot of people don't come out of it. And, 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 and that's what's happening right now with the fentanyl epidemic. But you said something, you said something that's extremely important in that last line. You said there are people out there taking fentanyl that are not knowing what they're getting. Mm-hmm. That, my friend, is not the case anymore. And the reason why I bring that up we have done, and I think almost in every community in this country, in, our, in the state of California in particular, we've done, everybody has done an amazing job of spreading this awareness mm-hmm. about fentanyl and how, how it comes in fake pills and it's, and it's cocaine's laced with it and every other drug's laced with it. But when I speak with certain members of law enforcement, there are, there are teams that go out to overdoses whether that person makes it or not. And the question that is asked at the end of the quote, the interview with that person that overdosed, and these are all people between the ages of 15 and 30. The the question is, did you know what you were buying? Every one of them said yes. Wow. The second question, do you know you can die from this? Their answer, yes, I know. Mm. So I really believe and that, that, that until we as a society, we as our, our, our government officials in Sacramento, until people start to understand the addict, and how we work, how we function, how we think of an opioid, how important that pill is to us or, or, or that powder is to us. People have to understand why we're taking it. Yeah. They, they have to understand that it is so highly addictive that we absolutely have to take it. It's not that we want to, we have to take it. Because we all know if we don't, we're going to go into immediate withdrawals, and now all hell's going to break loose, and 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 life is just going to come even crumbling down even further. That's the number one reason why opioid addicts don't get clean. We we are deathly afraid of the withdrawal symptoms. And if nobody, if any of your listeners have never seen an opioid withdrawal, there's a great movie out there. It was years ago called The Basketball Diaries. It was with, with Leonardo DiCaprio, yeah. Mark Wahlberg. DiCaprio does a couple of scenes in there where he's going through heroin withdrawal, and it's the same thing as fentanyl or anything else. It is the most beautifully well-acted withdrawal scene I I, I have ever come across. Mm -hmm. 
that will give somebody a little idea. But uh, but you take that withdrawal scene and you times it by a thousand and it lasts for three to four weeks. That's what a withdrawal is when you go cold turkey. Brutal. So, and, and the second piece to that is our system is so broken right now. And I always have to compare. If, if we're going to be real about this, we have to look at this from a realistic standpoint. We have, in, in my opinion, there are basically two sets of people that have, let me see if I can put this right. One will have the private insurance. One will have government insurance. Our county government programs are broken. If you call any county government program after five o'clock, Monday through Sunday, you will not get a live person on the other end of that phone. Mm. And when an addict needs help, when they say right then and there, for whatever the reason that I need to go into treatment, that needs to happen then. Because if that doesn't happen, then we're going to go down the street, we're going to buy our drug, and we're going to continue the same path. The other piece of that is we all know this in treatment. I own a treatment facility, is that we are being hamstrung by insurance companies. They are, they are literally reducing the time that somebody spends in a treatment facility. We're averaging 17 to 20 days of, of detox and residential stay. We all know it can take up to six months to a year. But how do we make that affordable to the treatment center? How do we make it affordable to the client? So again, broken systems need to be fixed or this mess is just going to continue. Yeah. Yeah. 17 days is not, um, I mean, you're not even scratching the surface, I feel like, in that. I mean, and everyone's situation obviously is a little bit different, but um I think that's all that also might be a good uh, good transition here into into some of the stuff you're speaking about about and, and that's a great movie by the way too the basketball diaries highly recommend uh recommend that one too very intense at times but uh, I think very realistic like like you mentioned um harm reduction like what are your thoughts on harm reduction long term versus short term how does that play a role in helping to uh let's just start on the face of this People want to escape, they get addicted, they don't want to stop, and they don't want to go through the brutality of a three-week withdrawal. How does that kind of come into play, uh, harm reduction itself? Yeah, so so great, great question. Look, I am all for short-term harm reduction. Uh, I am a huge proponent of Narcan. Um, Years ago, I will say this, years ago, I was not. Ten years ago, I was at the National Drug Conference in Atlanta, Georgia, and there was a lady, uh, there was a group of mothers from the Boston area sitting there and, um, uh, and, and they were talking about how they wanted Narcan in, in their home for their child. And, and, I, and I went up to the microphone to this, these, this group and I just said, ladies, please, with all due respect, I said, how old's your son? 26. Does he work? No. Do you feed him? Yes. Do you clothe him? Yes. You know, all the, buy his electronics? Yes. The yeses just went on and on and on. I said, can I move in? <laughs> yeah. I said, right. because, because now you've got Narcan there to bring, and I understand it. I mean, I totally get it. I'm a parent, right? Yeah. But why would he ever want to get clean? Yeah. There's no incentive. He's got everything sitting there for him. Yeah. Right? Okay. Today, fentanyl, ISO, nitazine, all those other drugs that are hitting the market, every school 
room has to have it. Every office building has to have it. Every car needs to have it by far. But here's something to think about. There's a company out there now called Cladaxo, which has developed a 12 milligram uh, Narcan. Just posing a question. Hmm. What kind of message are we sending? Yeah. Are we just going to increasing the Narcan or are we going to try to get to the bottom of this thing? And I know that's kind of a, you know, wide open answer, but, but yeah. it, it's, it's so the, the, the short term is fine. And what I mean by short term is anywhere within a two to three month period. Anything after three months, and again, I, I, I get grief on this from some people, and that's okay, but why are, why are we, let's take methadone, for example, as far as long-term harm reduction, why would we want to keep a 20-year-old, 30-year-old, even 40 or even 50-year-old father of two or three yeah. strapped to a drug that I was on, by the way, and took me two years to get off of it? Mm. Why would we want to strap somebody to that drug for the rest of their life? And there's two, the two sets of, of, of answers that go with that one. You cannot go anywhere outside of your hometown lest you forget your methadone. You will not be able to go into another clinic in Vacaville. If I'm from Fresno and I come up to see you for the weekend, I can't walk into another methadone clinic and get it. It's, it's, it, it can't be done. What about the long-term health risks that, that these methadone clinics do not talk to their clients about? The heart issues, which I've had, the bowel dysfunction, serious bowel dysfunction, mm -hmm. which I had and had to have everything repaired because of my methadone use. Wow. What about sleep disorders? All these things that come later in life, not necessarily right when you're taking it, but come later in life because I, now I'm 67. I've had all these issues. I've had yeah. the heart attacks. You know, so so again, we're not being the, the client isn't being informed correctly, at least in, in, in my opinion. Yeah. Now, if you start getting into clean needles, if you start getting into uh, safe injection sites. Again, I try to look at it from both sides, a safe injection site. And I know I, I can be a pretty simple minded SOB. Right. But. Do you think the addict's going to use just from eight to five yeah. by walking yeah. into right? No. no. What happens when they leave the clinic? Yeah. Where do they go? Where do they go? It's another place to use. Mm -hmm. in, 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 in my opinion, you're not trying to even help the person get to the reasons why they're using, but you know, some Shane, and, and, and we can discuss this till the cows come home. The bottom line here is if, that person doesn't want to get clean. They're not going to get clean. But we have to give them a chance. Mm -hmm. And it all starts with getting somebody detoxed properly. Mm -hmm. Medically detoxed, properly, affordable for them so they can do it in a safe environment. And I'll just take it one more step. With our organization, it turned out this way. The majority of our clientele is what we call the north of Herndon crowd. It's a street here in Fresno that everything north of Herndon, you know, you know the area. Mm -hmm. That's the people of means. They're not going to send their kids to a county-run program. Yeah. They're not going to do it, right? So 
we have to be able to make it affordable for 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 everyone. But but again, and I have to keep saying this: we live in the state of California. To run a business, let alone a treatment center in the state of California, is 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 so astronomically high. Yeah. That half the time we're 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 worried about: can we keep our doors open? Yeah, it's just just, just it's little difficult. food for thought. It's 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 uh, it's difficult, like you said, from from any any business standpoint. I think uh, in in this state, um, wh- one thing I wanted to uh, to ask you, Flint, um, you'd mentioned working with uh, you know or, or or having conversations with law enforcement, different folks who are actually out on the front lines, and I have many friends who are police officers. Man, God bless them and the work they do day in and day out because it is not easy. And I hear some of this stuff, um, you know, that goes on on, on the day to day. But it seems in, in talking to them personally and then hearing from guys like you reading other things, there seems to be a huge disconnect between law enforcement in legislation <laughs> there's the, these guys know what's up and i just watched a video this morning as i was doing a little little pre-production work before you know we chatted today it was from the the um riverside county sheriff um uh, chad i can't remember his last name but he talked a little bit about this and 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 he was saying how they they know they see what's happening because they're out there on the street. But as far as the law goes, and we can talk a little bit about SB 44 if we want um, as well, but there, that huge, there's a huge gap there. And so it, it's like a, it's like a merry-go-round. She keeps going around and around and around. And it seems like nothing is getting, getting accomplished. So any thoughts on that? I know I kind of threw a lot out there, but. No, ab- ab- absolutely. Another great question. Look, I was, I've been in Sacramento the last two out of three weeks and with several bills that um, that 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 we couldn't even get the the, the public health and safety committee to hear, mm. we 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 raised enough hell on one one side that they did actually hear our bill. But of course, they voted it down the minute we the minute we got yeah. in there, because we simply you know what I think it was fifteen oh seven. We we were proposed a bill that would um, that would increase jail times for those drug dealers who are knowingly selling somebody fentanyl and that person died from an overdose yeah and there was there was there was many things i was upset about in that because i was in that hearing there was uh an assembly person from uh santa monica and um he simply said this he said i just can't believe that every drug dealer is lacing every pill with fentanyl and of course, that's a format where you can't respond to the guy. Okay, you know, <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Because they would have they would have put my ass in jail if I had a chance to speak at that point. Mm. It's like, but what I wanted to say is, sir, how how ignorant are you to this? Sacramento, the bottom line with this, Shane, is that they don't want to put anybody in prison. It's to them, it's all about the money. Yeah. It's all about, it's all about the money. It's as simple as that. It was a slap in the face to those parents that were there that have yeah. lost a child to an overdose, mm-hmm. literally a slap in the face to them. They make it a racial issue in Sacramento. Mm-hmm. And the bottom line here is again, another question I wanted to ask would be, sir, madam, if, if, 
I don't care if the person's white, African-American, Hispanic, green, or purple polka dots. If that person sold your, sold your child a fentanyl lace pill, knowing it was, it was laced with fentanyl and your child died, you wouldn't want that person in prison? Yeah. It's common sense. It's common it's sense. Shane. We don't have to make this as difficult as it is. Well, I think we have to ask, though, too, a, a question is, and you said it's about the money. What specific is that money? Are they on the payroll of the organizations that are trafficking this shit in through the borders that are wide open um, in many, many parts of the country? Um, you know, who, who knows exactly? But I think they're fair questions to say because there's no common sense um, reason that I can think of why, why somebody, the gentleman who you're uh, in particularly you know, talking about in this hearing, um, why would you, how can you not understand that as a, as a normal person with a, 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 a basic critical thinking mind? Right. <laughs> it doesn't Just make basic any sense. Brain? Yeah. Basic <laughs> brain. It doesn't make any sense. And because like you said, they don't want to stop it. And so why is that? Correct. Look, just like you said, I deal with law enforcement. I deal with prosecutors. And in Fresno, we have an outstanding group of law enforcement officials and and yeah. and, and our district attorney and our state assembly people. We are all over this thing here, and they're they're just handcuffed. Yeah. They they can't do anything. Mm. And and again, it just comes down to basic common sense here. And 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 so. <laughs> Yeah, I know I refer to the fact that I'm, I'm soon to be 68 and I'm in the fourth quarter. All right. So, so, so after a while, I'm not, you guys are the ones that are going to have to worry about this, but, but I'm going to go down swinging my yeah, friend. That's, that's, it. that's for thank sure. You. I just want to tell you, thank you too, for your, for your honesty, your upfrontness, your willingness to put yourself out there and, uh, and fight, man. Thank you. You're, you're, you're welcome. You know, it's look, a, a lot of this is very personal to me and because I shouldn't be sitting here. There, there, there's no way on God's green earth that I should be sitting here, but he saw fit yeah. to, to, to put me in this position. Um, yeah, I can be loud. I can be obnoxious. I can even be, be a little loud at, at certain times. But, you know, when I, what, 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 and, and like you, we, we have that heart for these people. I even have a heart for the drug dealer, believe it or not, because, <laughs> because that's what I'm supposed to have. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's, that's, that's who God created, but that has nothing to do with consequences for one's actions. Yeah. These people need to be punished for what they are doing, period. Yeah. I, I don't know in my life, everything I've done wrong. I've sure gotten a, a you know, a, a swift kick in the ass for it. I mean, what, what, what's, what's, what's any different here? You know, but to see these mothers, to see these dads on our Wednesday night meetings that that come in, that that are, I, I mean, how do you how do you explain to even the audience that's listening today what it's like for a parent that just lost a child six months ago? Yeah, I can't imagine. You, you, you can't. I, I yeah, right? I'm sure it's heartbreaking, but like that doesn't even do a justice in itself. That alone, right? <laughs> you know? So so how does that assembly person? sleep at night. Yeah. Knowing no no knowing that. How does that person, I don't care if it's a male, female, whatever it is, how does that person go home at night and when all good conscious sleep? Hmm. Knowing that these 
people are, are, are running the streets. I mean, come on, look, you're in the Bay Area. Look at, you know, all you got to do is look across your, your yard to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They're shipping, not only are they shipping the fentanyl in, they're shipping the drug dealers in. Mm-hmm. Yep. So when does it stop? I don't know. We've got to wait till everybody dies? I, 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 maybe. Maybe it has to happen to one of those assembly people. Yeah. God forbid. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's a hell of a fight. Well, I, and I think about, you mentioned, you know, in your own experience in being addicted to opioids and I kind of share that with you too. I think you mentioned it. You kind of messed with everything back in the day. I was the same. I just call it like a buffet. Like if someone had some pills, I, I would pop some pills. It wasn't, I never thought twice about it. Now uh, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful that I don't have to do that now because I feel like it's a little bit different with the fentanyl. Obviously it's, it's a lot different, but I think about, my kids, I have a um, eight year old and a 13 year old. And as they start to, uh, you know, get older and start to um, have influences, I'm not, I'm not there all the time where we're there as right. much as we can, but they're eventually going to have to make their own decisions uh, when, when they get to that certain point, how do we engage the youth on this stuff? How do we engage youth on addiction on even on alcohol use? Uh, just, uh, and, and then especially fentanyl in itself, the dangers of it. You know, again, one of those, one of those questions that, um, we all have certain answers for them. Um, and I think a big part of it is, is, is children need to be learned by example by their parents. I, I, I think that is yeah. absolutely critical. Um, look, not every parent that has a glass of wine, their kid's going to turn out to be an alcoholic or a drug addict. Uh, that's, that's not what I'm saying. But I have dealt with families for 15 years in this. And there is not a family, family member that has walked through these doors. And we've seen over 8,000 families in that time period that Every one of them think they have the only kid that is that is not going to become addicted or or become an alcoholic. And if they happen to fall into that trap a little bit, they're the only ones that are going to pull themselves out. Mm. So one of the questions I ask parents always is, mom and dad, did you lie to your parents? And they say, well, yeah. <laughs> what makes your kid any different? Yeah. It's inherent in us. As kids, we're going to fib. We're going to lie. But Shane, this is the wake-up call for today's parent. And I'm not exaggerating when I say this. Kids, that doesn't make them bad. It doesn't make them evil. It doesn't make them any of those things. Get in, the, get your, get, get in your head that they're not going to be the starting second baseman for the Giants. Okay. I mean, just get that out of your heads right now. They're, they're going to, hopefully they grow up to be great human beings. Okay. But they're going to experiment. Everybody experiments, not everybody, but, but the majority do. That message today has to be not sugar-coated, not butterflies flying around. All right. None of, none of that nonsense. It has to be Young man, if you experiment with drugs today, you could wind up dead within 30 minutes. Kids, I have learned, I, 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 I've spoke to so many kids over the years in, in, in different high schools. They all want to be treated like adults, even though they're not adults. 
And when you are telling a child the truth, they are listening. It's when you it's when you bring a bunch of and, and again, there's the, some of these programs are still pretty good, but when you bring Red Ribbon Weekend, the kids laugh at it. Yeah, you bring the Dare program in, kids laugh at it. They even laugh at if you bring if you bring an ex-cons in to talk to them because none of them can relate to that ex-con. They can certainly relate to guys like you and I. And if you tell them the truth, they want to hear the stories. Yeah, agree. They really do. So parents, be truthful. Don't sugarcoat anything here. Because uh, this is the other thing I tell parents. It's fun to piss your kid off. It's <laughs> it's kind of fun. Yeah. Right? Because what do you want to have them dead? Or you want to piss them off? Mm. That's what it comes down to today. Yeah. I think most parents would say I'd, I'd much rather have a little fun and piss them off than yeah, uh, every know. time. And I, I love that. I love that point, man, about just being honest and authentic and, and relatable. Um, you're right. Kids want structure. They want, um, they want to be treated like young adults if they're young adults. Um, and we can talk to them like that, but I think a couple of things, um, parenting is difficult. Obviously that's a given, Right. And I feel like um, sometimes uh, as as parents, some parents don't want to put that effort in into it's just like, ah, you know, just hey, go go do your thing. We have to have those conversations, the tough conversations. We have to communicate. Uh, communication is key. Uh, and I'm and I'm not uh, I'm not I'm not trying to judge anyone or say, you know, I, I understand everyone's situation is different. There's a lot of stuff going on, but I think if we put forth the general effort because we love our kids and we do have these conversations with them, um, we will see them respond to that respond and, and respond, uh, you know, better than we might think than better than we did at least as kids. Yeah, because, yeah. yeah. Um, man, tell, tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about, um, about pain, about what, you know, what, I mentioned a little bit about what you guys do in the intro today, but I'd love for you to share um, any uh, any more about it and then any of the resources for folks who might want to reach out or contact you guys. Sure. You know, I, I like I said, I started this in 2009. I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. Absolutely none. I knew I had a story. I knew that 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 it, that it needed to be told, but you know I got clean in 01. and so I waited until 2008 before we started figuring out where we wanted to go with this thing. And 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 there's always there's always this little story I tell if we've got a, just a couple of seconds here. My my best friend is 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 a guy named Richard who who flew me to my last treatment center. He was the last guy standing, all right, that that wanted anything to do with me, including my family. And so after I get out of treatment, I went and I still I had another business and I did that. And, and then I got a speaking engagement one night at a, at a local church. And my teeth were so messed up from from all the opioid use and the sugar content. I'm still drinking Mountain Dew, right? And um, and and so the night before, a tooth falls out, and not the front one, but one off to the side. And I go over to his house and I said, "Hey, man, I go, I got to speak at this group tomorrow night. Can you notice?" And he's just messing with me, and he's going, "No, it looks great, man. You you know, you look just fine." And I go, "Okay." So I go over and I do this speech, and of course, nobody says a word. 
And uh, the next day he calls me and he goes, how'd you do? And I said, I did, I did fine. I said, it went, it went really well. And he goes, good. He goes, he goes, do you like your dentist? And I, and I go, I don't know. I go, I think so. We're trying to piecemeal this thing together, you know, and he goes, well, he goes, you're not going to him anymore. And, and I went, no, no. He said, yeah, you've got a point with my dentist Monday morning at 10 a.m. You're getting all new teeth. Goodbye. Click. And he slams oh. down the phone. And I tell that story because he did it because I stayed clean and sober for those eight years. Wow. You know? Yeah. I mean, and, and so that, that little message right there is to let people know good things do happen when you, when, when, when you maintain your sobriety. Yeah. Okay? I love it. You know, right. So, so when I started it again, that's basically what it was. I was just went out and I told my story to high schools and anybody that would listen. Cause again, my story goes, it's wild, but as this thing developed, um, I developed a parent family support group meeting, which is totally different from Al-Anon or any of the other ones. Uh, I like Al-Anon. I, I like those programs very much. They have helped thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of people. But what they don't do, what we do is we crosstalk. And we throw it all out there. I'm there every Wednesday night. I, I can count on both hands the number of time I've missed in 15 years on a Wednesday night. Mm. And these parents hear the absolute gospel truth, what the addict is capable of, what they're not capable of. As a parent, yeah, I do judge what you should do, what you should not do, yeah. right? Because, because that's, that's a good judgment. It's not a critical judgment. They have to know the truth about this. That meeting was designed to get the parents and the families through this turmoil as their loved one is going through it. That has proved to be extremely successful here in the Fresno area. Then, then, then we had a series of recovery meetings for quite some time. And then, um, then all of a sudden, I got really busy with doing lots of interventions. And, um, you know, and, and, and I'd go out to, you know, people's homes in, in, in the middle of the night sometimes. Uh, that was a big part of we did for that we did for about, wow, for about eight years. Um, such tough was, work, too. That's like hard. Was, that's hard. Very hard. It was hard. You, you know, there's, I, I'm very fortunate, Shane, that I've got a wife and a family that, that supports what I do. Um, there literally have been times where I've, I've left on a Christmas afternoon, you know, um, to, 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 to go and talk to somebody. Um, and and I, I just give them all the credit in the world. I'm still married to the same woman. It'll be 44 years in, in, in July. And she put up with my ass for, 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 for all these years. <laughs> Yeah, uh, met her when I was 16. So she's oh, kind of wow. the light of my life. Um, but, but yeah, my family's always been very supportive of, of that. And, and, and then just kind of fast forwarding, you know, as uh, we, we, we got into the documentary side of this, uh, it's called don't hide the scars project. Um, we've done part one. We're, we're doing part two right now. That'll be up hopefully by August 1st. Uh, again, just showing showing the real truth about the epidemic and and, and everything that's going on. Uh, we cover all aspects from addiction to treatment and, and everything in between. Um, obviously, we do we do our podcast. But now, as I'm getting older, I, I'm not I'm not going out as much, you know, uh, at night. Even though I I still will. Um, but now I've, we've kind of been led in this adv advocacy 
side of it, uh, helping with our assembly people here in town and law enforcement and getting to Sacramento and doing those things. Um, because that, that, that's where it's all led to, you know? So that's, that's, that's kind of where the organization has gone. So. Yeah. I love it, man. So it sounds like, uh, there was, um, just, it's like when we're doing the next right thing, something leads to the next thing and then the next thing and the next thing you never woke up one day and said, Hey, I feel like being an opioid addict. I think I'll be an opioid addict. And Hey, one day I think I'm going to open a treatment center and help a bunch of people by sharing my story and experience. Like you didn't, you didn't like, you didn't know you just did the next right thing. Um, you know, and, and all this started to unravel and, and now it's an opportunity to, to help others period. I mean, how, how amazing is that when we, when we do that? Yeah, you, you know, either, it, it, you know, it is. It, it is for all of us, you know, when, when that happens. And and I do have to say this too. I want I want to say this is this is about two thousand and, and and eight. No, I'm sorry, two thousand ten. I met a lady named Thelma Wilson. What a great name. I know, Thelma, I know. Yeah, you know? Thelma. It must be a Scooby Doo. It wasn't there a Thelma right? and a Scooby Doo. Right? Yeah. Right. yeah. <laughs> and she's and she's from Los Angeles. And some mother calls me and says, hey, my son's a train wreck. He's a heroin addict. I'm taking him down. She joined our parent meeting. She said, I'm going to take him down to Thelma's place in Northridge down in Southern California. Do you want to go with me? I said, sure. So, you know, so I, I hop in the car with her. Her kids passed out in the back seat. We're driving him down there. And I meet this lady, Thelma. Well, long and the short of it is, Thelma is, is we have worked together since 2010. I have probably referred 1,800 people to her over over the years. Wow. She is my partner here in Fresno. I got her to move from LA to Fresno, so we started our treatment center together. And and t- right as COVID was hitting, I mean, right as oh, COVID man. was hitting. Yeah, so tough so she's here. So we're you know we're 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 kind of joined at the hip with that. And she's got 35 years of recovery, oh, and wow. uh, yeah. So so again. You're, you're absolutely right. When you do that next indicated thing, sometimes it doesn't come fast, Yeah, you know, yeah. and you don't know, but yeah. hey, there it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, you just made me think of something too I wanted to ask you and, and maybe, you know, maybe there's a parent listening right now. Maybe there's a, a spouse, um, maybe it's yourself and you don't, you don't know what to do, you know, and you just, you, you have someone you love passed out in the back seat or passed out on the couch or who's sleeping all day or they're, they're, they're struggling whether it's drugs, alcohol, whatever it is, like, what is some advice, Flint, that, uh, you know, you have a ton of experience in this, you've been working in the trenches for years, like, what do you tell people, like, when they come to you with this stuff? Like, what, what's something that might help somebody listening right now? I, I, again, Shane, total truth. I basically say, get off your ass, okay? And, you, and you've got to do something now. Now, let's figure it out. And I will sit with them and figure it out. Can we get... Does this person have insurance? Do they not? Can we scholarship them? Is there somebody I can call to get that person in? But but what what I always tell people is that do not waste any time. You don't have time to waste. Again, we're we're not in the in the beginnings of that. You're not going to get any answers. You're just you're just not going to get any answers. Don't look for them yet. Right. Do what we do, the next indicated thing. This person needs to get help now. They need to get on a medication that is going to help them get through the withdrawal symptoms. Let's get them in somewhere. That's the first step. We can take the next steps as they come along. It's a pretty simple method, yeah. right? But that's what we have. Our recovery needs to be simple. 
so does that family's recovery. That needs to be simple too. Yeah. Don't over don't overlook stuff. So what what about what, let's let's uh, hypothetically here? There's let's say there's a parent and their kid doesn't want the help. They're just being a jackass. They just they're they're totally resisting. What I mean, what advice or what do you say then? Here we go. You ready? <laughs> Nobody's gonna like it. I love it. Let's hear it. <laughs> you simply say this. We have found you a place, you need the help, and we are willing to send you to this treatment facility. If you do not go, here's your bag, and you can walk down the street right now, but you will have no phone, you will have no money, you will have nothing that we provide for you. You will be able to, if you can contact us, we'll be there for you. Shane, that is so incredibly hard for me to say. It's so incredibly hard for a parent to do. Yeah. But, I, but I'm here to tell you with all, all my heart, I've never seen somebody die in over 15 years by that statement being made to, 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 a, to a loved one. Yeah. Ever. I've seen them walk. I had a kid come up to me and actually stand up, shake my hand and say, thank you for coming and seeing me, but I'm going to choose to walk. Mm. And I said, Hey, nice meeting you. I'm here when you get back. Mm. That's it. That's a true story. The parents have to understand that their kids are already street kids. They already know how to take care of themselves. The only difference between between an actual street kid and their kid is their kid sleeping in their own bed at night. Yeah. Yeah. They know all the games, they know the cons, they know it all out there. They know how to get it. And by the way, you ask those kids that once 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 they've kind of come back to their senses a little bit, they're going to tell you the same thing. Mm. So it's a tough tough decision. It's a tough statement. But, but, but again, I've, I, I can't tell you, we, and, and I do, I say this with pride, we have had successes here. We have had successes. And I, I couldn't be more proud of some of these kids. And they went through hell to yeah. get it. Yeah. But we got to, but the parent, everybody has to hold the line. If you don't hold the line, you might as well, you, you might as well just let them keep doing what they're doing. Well, and, 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 I, and I think when you put it like that, keep doing what you're doing, you're just allowing a, a, a slow death in some instances, oh, which, could, which could eventually lead to a sudden one, of course, but you're, you're prolonging the process of the inevitable versus giving them an ultimatum and just saying, hey, like, I'm not putting up with this anymore. Here's right. your opportunity. Here's your choice. And then at that point, it's kind of out of your control in a sense, right? Just like the gentleman who stood up and said, Hey, thank you. I'm going to choose to walk. Did did he come back by the way, or did was there a he good did. ending to that? Oh, awesome. he did. He, he came. He came back four days later. <laughs> really? Four days later. Yeah. Wow. He walked. He walked down the street with a suitcase in his hand. <laughs> it was classic. It was just classic. Just yeah. reminded reminded me of my eight year old running away a couple right. months ago. He had his all of his stuff. It was raining out, and I and then I I said, okay, buddy, see you later. You know, and our bro, my brother in law lives a couple doors down, so I figured he was probably going to go down to Uncle Joe's. And I come outside, and it's raining, and he's standing under the eave of the house, and he's just sitting there, not knowing what to do. I said, hey, bud, you want to come back in? Yeah, yeah, Dad, I want to come back in. All right, come on, we got a warm spot for you, man. Yeah, that's great. Gosh. That is so cool. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah man. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, I, I just, uh, I greatly appreciate it. I'm really glad that we, we've gotten to, to meet and get to know each other a little bit. And I look forward to, uh, to continuing to chat, hopefully, uh, uh, you know, in the upcoming weeks, months, years, whatever. Um, anything, uh, anything you want to add before we wrap up today, Flint? You, you know, Shane, first of all, thank you for having me, man. A- after doing uh, our podcast with you, I just, I, you know, I kind of, I kind of fell in love with you, man. I, I love, I, I love what you're doing. I, oh, the, 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 everything you're doing, man, is just cool. Uh, and, and for, and, and again, this really does give, makes my heart feel good to see, to see men. All right. That are, that are, that are, working their recovery they're being responsible for their families you know Thank uh you know your kids are not going to see you in an overdose man when when, when right that. That, that's my biggest thing when yeah. i go my kids are going to know i was either hit by a bus or i had a heart attack <laughs> all right that 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 i didn't die from an opioid overdose that's what's yeah. important and you're, and you're doing it and just keep keep it up man yeah. just just keep it up you guys yeah. are, are the best I, I really believe that Hey Flint, thank you so much, man. That means the world to me. And and my son, my son does, man. He's uh, he's such a cool dude. He's such a good little guy. And I, he tells me all the time, Dad, I'm going to be sober just like you. And I, and I, I know that like like you know you, we we talked about this earlier in their conversation. Like eventually they're going to have to make their own choices. They're going to be tested. I understand that, but at least I know and I can sleep at night knowing that like I gave him the best opportunity and the best example that I could do uh in order to help him along the way to make the right choice when he gets in that not if but when he gets in that position so right um yeah thank you man i I really do take that to heart and appreciate your support and encouragement hey man man. my 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 pleasure and 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 one last thing and how cool it is now that i work with my oldest son in the treatment oh no way yeah he's our he's our cfo of our of our which i never thought would happen Oh Ever. my gosh, that's Ever. amazing, man! Yeah, it's pretty cool. I uh, well, I hope to come down. You know, I know I talked about this before. Uh, I'm I'm down in Fresno occasionally, um, and I would love to come visit. And and if it's on a Wednesday, maybe come to one of the meetings or whatever. So we'll keep in touch on that. That'd be awesome, man. Do it. And we'll go play golf too, man. That sounds that sounds amazing. <laughs> All right, man. Thank you so much. Hey, share the podcast with a friend. Connect with us on Instagram at that sober guy podcast. Uh, you can find all of uh, Flint's work. Uh, it's painonprofit.org. It's also flintanderson.org. Uh, and we'll put all the links today in the show notes so it's easy for you to find. Uh, Flint, thanks again, man, for coming on the podcast. All right, Shane. Thanks, buddy. Take care.